0: Listener production. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Welcome to Just The Gist. Thank you for having me. So thrilled to have you in the guest seat. Hello, Gisners. Welcome to Just The Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which (laughs) ordinarily Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to share at a dinner party and... While Rosie's taking a little bit of time off to look after her health, we've got some very special guest hosts who've been coming on board. Um, And this week, as a little treat for all you gistners and for me, um, we thought it might be a little bit of fun if we got our producer Lindsay to step in (laughs) as the guest as well as producer. (laughs) So she's wearing two hats today. Welcome, Lindsay.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's fun to be on the other side of the microphone.
0: You're going to have a great time, (laughs) I hope. Um, So you've been working with us on Just the Gist for almost a year now. Coming
1: up to it, yeah.
0: Thank you so much for putting up with us. Um, But I'd love to know a little bit more about you and ask, how long have you been working in audio production?
1: I have been here at Listener for coming up on three years. Mm -hmm. It'll be my three-year anniversary in a couple of weeks. Uh, Prior to working here, I was working in community radio in Melbourne, Mm -hmm. uh, not doing audio production specifically, uh, but supporting volunteers who were making podcasts and radio shows themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got into working in community radio by volunteering for a few years at the same community radio station where I made my very first podcast a very, very long time ago now. Um, It was about online dating, Uh uh, which still exists somewhere on the internet. (gasps) What's it called? (laughs) It is called It's a Match. Uh Uh-huh. It was about my friend who went on one Tinder date and met her boyfriend and they're still together Mm -hmm. and me going on Many, many Tinder dates Mm. and not being as successful as her. Uh, So that was kind of how I wet my missile in production. Uh Um, And then a few years after that, I made my own podcast outside of community radio to try and get the kind of job that I've got now. Mm -hmm. And that was about escalators. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was called People Movers, Mm -hmm. which I retired maybe a year ago now. Um, But that's, yeah, I guess how I learned everything and then got the job here and have been working here for three years with you guys and a couple of other podcasts as well.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, tell us which other podcasts do you work on?
1: I also do Come Out Wherever You Are with Sean Zeps mm-hmm. and Better For It with Katie Williams.
0: And you just recently won an award yeah. for Come Out Wherever You yeah. Are, correct?
1: Yeah. It was the Radio Today podcast, Australian podcast of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, we were up against some pretty impressive competition.
0: Like who? Uh,
1: oh, you put me on the spot. I can't remember any of them. <laughs> 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 uh, one of them was another listener production, the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show. Mm-hmm. And I think one was a Nova podcast called Project Ari, which won some awards last year. So that was pretty stiff competition. Um, but, you know, some say, that, you know, best man won and I wouldn't argue with that either. <laughs>
0: I think it's very, very well deserved. Just as if you haven't checked out, come out wherever you are, um, definitely go and have a listen uh, with our good friend, Sean Zepps. Um, is there any particular episode you'd recommend of Come Out Wherever You Are that people start with, mm, Lindsay? Because you've been with it from the beginning.
1: Yeah. I really like, Sean and I both really like one that we did in the first season with a man named David Jay, who's asexual, mm-hmm. and he founded the uh, Asexual Visibility and Education Network, I think it's called, like Mm -hmm. way back, like early 2000s or late 90s, before like the internet really existed in the way that we know it now. And his story is just so interesting, partly because we just never really hear anything from asexual people. Mm -hmm. Um, And also his family arrangement was really interesting as well um, because he – is in a partnership with a couple who have a kid and they're parenting, all three are parenting the child, which mm-hmm. is just not something that I've just never heard about before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that one. And that's usually the one that Sean and I will both recommend to new yeah, people. Yeah,
0: Sean recommended that when he was mm. a guest here on Just the Gist as well. But um, yeah, I mean, a second endorsement, terrific. We'll put the link to that episode in our show notes if you want to go check it out, Gistners. Um So, thank you for those little insights into Lindsay's (laughs) background. I thought seeing as the Gisners are starting to get to know you a little bit more, getting to hear from you a little bit more, um, we could do a little bit of a getting to know you first dates sort of game. So, I've asked Lindsay to come prepared with two truths and a lie. (laughs) And I'm going to try to identify which of the statements she makes about herself is the lie. So, when you're ready, take it away.
1: Okay. First one. Last year I did the Canberra Marathon Uh and in part of... Oh, I did the half marathon at the Canberra Marathon Uh and part of the event you go out along the highway and have to do a couple of loops Uh and I did not complete all of the loops that were required (laughs) of the course.
0: (laughs) You cheated in the Canberra Marathon is what you're saying.
1: Potentially. (laughs) Uh, Number two... When I was a younger person, embarrassingly potentially for how not so young I was when I had my first kiss, mm. I organised it myself by sending a link to a YouTube video of Ryan and Marissa from the OC kissing for the first time on the Ferris wheel <laughs> to, the, <laughs> to the boy that I had a crush on. And the third one... <laughs> the third one is what prior to a backpacking trip a couple of years ago, in an attempt to make new friends and appear approachable, mm. I thought, what's a good way to make friends with strangers? I know people always make friends in the smokers' area, but I don't know how to smoke and have never <laughs> smoked. So prior to going, I bought a packet of cigarettes and practiced <laughs> smoking to try and make friends. <laughs>
0: okay (laughs) so based on what you told us firstly most surprised to know that you're a runner I wasn't aware of that is that a big part of your lifestyle
1: it is it is a big part of my lifestyle
0: yeah yeah okay so that makes the Canberra um, story a little bit more believable The other two stories tell me that you're a bit of an (laughs) overthinker, (laughs) overplanner. Bit
1: of a loser, you might say.
0: (laughs) Just a hint of the OCD. Um, Oh, so she cheated on the marathon, which I can't imagine you doing (laughs) intentionally because you're so diligent and um, such a good girl. You set up your first kiss I can't really see you as an OC fan. That kind of surprises me and you're kind of a bit too young for that. Um, And then, yeah, taking up smoking as a way to make (laughs) friends also doesn't really fit with the Lindsay I know who seems to make some very sensible choices. So I'm going to go with the YouTube clip, Kiss Was the Lie.
1: Unfortunately... That was true. No. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was very, very, it, now embarrassing in hindsight, but <laughs> quite forward planning, I guess, of me as a 16-year-old. Mm. But, yep. You uh, got the hint? Yep. Yeah. I made it very made obvious. It you manifested
0: yeah. it? Uh-huh. And how was it?
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Everything you dreamed of.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, it was your first kiss at sixteen on the Ferris wheel. It wasn't as magical as I was anticipating.
0: <laughs> well, no big surprises there. So, all right, what was the lie?
1: The lie was the Canberra marathon. I did do it, but I didn't cheat.
0: Ah, okay, yeah. right. Well, congratulations. Um, yeah, a little humble brag there. <laughs> all right. Well, before we get into today's story. I did have a gistner who sent something through to me which I thought it might be a little bit of fun to read out, which is reading out transcriptions of things that have been written by bots. (laughs) (laughs) One of the um, small traditions here at Just the Gist. So, one of our gistners, Poppy, sent this through to me and it did have me cackling, so I thought I'd share it with all of you. So, the... It kicks off with I forced a bot to watch over a thousand hours of Dr. Phil episodes. <laughs> then I asked it to write a Dr. Phil episode of its own. Here is the first page. <clears throat> Interior, Dr. Philadelphia set. <laughs> we see Dr. Phil. He is too southern and too Phil. <laughs> Dr. Phil says, Today we have a young girl that is so bad her dad is dead. Her mom sent us this mom video. A mom video plays. We see the child's owner, the mom. Mom says, my daughter vapes beer and has sex with rap music. She's in love with a gun. Help me, Dr. Film. (laughs) The mom video ends. Dr. Film moustaches for nine seconds. Then says, I am the lover of moms. Dr. Film will help. Bring her to me. The video mom walks on stage. The crowd breathes. The mom sits in a chair. Dr. Phil sits on the mom. Dr. Phil says, Mom, where is your moustache? The crowd cheers. They all have several moustaches. Mom says, My daughter steals dolphins. Dr. Phil says, Not allowed. Bring her out. The bad girl comes on stage. She isn't reading the Bible at all. She is mean to the chair and won't sit on it. The crowd cheers at this. They hate chairs. Dr. Phil says, Apologize to the mom. Bad girl says, My only homework is drugs. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd boos and yells. They love genuine homework. Dr. Phil says, Empty your girl pockets, bad (laughs) boy. The bad girl empties her pockets. They are full of ISIS. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: oh. Oh. Look, I'm 90% yeah. sure someone faked that and it wasn't written by a bot. It still got me.
1: <laughs> oh, I loved the Friends one the other week yeah. and the. I think the obituary is still
0: the number
1: one. I can't remember any of the lines from it, but I remember I think it was the start of the year when you guys read that one and I was beside myself.
0: (laughs) Please send more life in lieu of flowers. (laughs) Oh, All right. Well, I'm going to dry away my tears (laughs) and then we should probably go ahead and jump into the story. Wahoo. Alright, so this week, I am serving you the gist of one of the OG classic seminal conspiracy theories. Some say this one paved the way for all other conspiracy theories to come. I'm going to walk you through the history of the big, bad, secret society that some folks believe controls the world's governments and banks and industries and even some of the churches. The alleged members of this society are all wealthy, influential elites who are said to be hiding in plain sight and laughing at us plebs while they rob their power and money in our faces. I am serving you just the gist of the Illuminati. Mm. Now, Lindsay, tell me, what, if anything, do you think you know about the Illuminati?
1: I deliberately know nothing about the Illuminati. Whenever anyone has brought it up to me Mm. in a conversation or even in passing, I make a pointed effort to avoid learning about it. Mm. I just feel like it's something that I don't need to have taking up space in my brain, kind of like... I don't know, getting my tax done. Like, I don't need to know how to do my own taxes because mm-hmm. it's just part of my brain that I can leave free for other things. I feel about the Illuminati the same way I feel about tax. Okay. Um, and I don't know, is the Illuminati that thing? You know when, like, when you're in school and kids would do, like, the little circle with their, like, forefinger and thumb under the table and if you got someone to look at it, then, like, you trick them or something?
0: Oh, you got to punch them. Oh, yeah. is that what? Yeah. I didn't
1: play games, so I didn't know how they <laughs> <laughs> would But I always associated the Illuminati with that thing that kids would <laughs> do with their forefinger and their thumb. That's uh-huh. my extent of my knowledge, which probably isn't even a <laughs>
0: related to it. I might be to able it. to make a connection there that actually does make sense. Um, so one of the symbols that Illuminati members are supposed to make is the okay symbol Mm. where you've got the thumb and forefinger together and then the three other fingers Mm -hmm. spread out. That is something Beyonce does quite Mm. frequently and so that's how a lot of people have come to believe that she's part of the Illuminati because she does that hand symbol which is said first and foremost to be satanic Mm. because each finger is supposed to somehow represent number six, I think, is there are three bones and three knuckles or joints in each finger. So it's like six, six, six. So it's a sign of devil worship, (laughs) bit of a stretch. Um, So that's interesting. But like you haven't encountered the Illuminati in like pop culture. You haven't read a Dan Brown novel.
1: No, I think my only other reference point is the triangle picture and like memes of people seeing like trying to read into that little triangle picture something that wasn't there Mm -hmm. and kind of making fun of it.
0: When you say that little triangle picture?
1: It kind of looks like, in my mind, I'm picturing it as like the Deathly Hallows symbol from Harry Potter. There's like a triangle and then- a circle and a line.
0: Yeah, Um, kind of like that. Yeah, they are associated with triangles. Um, But that's something that was sort of ascribed to them that wasn't really theirs. Mm. It actually was a Freemasonry
2: thing. Ah.
0: But as we'll see, they were sort of intertwined with the Freemasons. Um, So, okay, that's That's, it. That's That's all you know about the... You haven't even played Tomb Raider.
1: I don't play games. (laughs)
0: As previously mentioned. (laughs) Sorry, I forgot. All right, well, I think most Gisners will already have at least a vague understanding that the Illuminati has something to do with some sort of conspiracy theory about the world being run by a secret society. And I don't imagine a lot of them believe that the Illuminati does run the world, but... If that's you, if you do believe that, please get in touch with me and tell me why. Go to Instagram. I'm at Jacob William Stanley. (laughs) Absolutely love to hear from you. So please flick me a note. Um, For people who do believe that the Illuminati runs the world, and there are millions of them around the planet, they kind of think of it the same way as QAnon thinks of the deep state. Mm. And obviously we did an episode on QAnon and their beliefs at the beginning of 2021. Um, And then, in fact, because so many conspiracy theories have this tendency to interbreed and overlap with each other, a lot of folks believe that the Illuminati and the deep state are the same thing. And in fact, it's because the Illuminati conspiracy theory has been around for two centuries that a lot of people who already believed in that were then primed to mm. accept the QAnon theories about this powerful global network, shadowy cabal evil planning to take over and claim absolute control over all of humanity. What a lot of gistners might be very surprised to learn is that the secret order of the Illuminati did exist for about a decade in the 1700s before it then went on to become this huge, larger-than-life global myth.
1: Yeah, right.
0: And it started off with just four members who were all law students and it was started by their professor. And you might remember if you listened to our episode on crop circles Mm -hmm. um, that we explained how the whole crop circle phenomenon industry obsession was kicked off by these two blokes from England called Mm -hmm. Doug and Dave (laughs) who were just having a laugh and pulling a prank and then things just sort of got out of control. In a similar vein, the Illuminati was started by this bloke called Adam who couldn't afford (laughs) membership into the Freemasons. So he decided to start up his own exclusive club and he founded the Illuminati.
1: Was he in the US?
0: No, this is in Bavaria. Ah, okay. Yes. But the story begins in 1776, which coincidentally Mm -hmm. is the year that the United States declared independence Mm -hmm. from England. Um, So yeah, Bavaria, it's down in the southern part of what is now Germany. And Professor Adam Weishaupt was 28 years old at the time and he was teaching law at a university that was run by priests. In fact, he was the only teacher on staff who wasn't part of the clergy. And this was during the age of enlightenment. So different fields of science were emerging and growing in popularity and interest. And they were making all sorts of new discoveries. Religious institutions, particularly the Catholic Church, did not love that. No one at the university was allowed to teach anything that the priest bosses thought was too progressive or too liberal or too Protestant or in any way sinful. He certainly wasn't allowed to ever think about questioning the absolute power of the monarchy or, heaven forbid, the wisdom of the Catholic Church. So he was finding his work to be very unfulfilling. And so outside of work, he sought connection with some like-minded men that he could discuss some new progressive ideas with. And he decided the best place to meet some free-thinking fellas would be if he joined... The Freemason Society. Now, we've spoken a bit about the Freemasons in a previous episode, your favorite episode, actually, the one about the family that were manipulated into becoming a cult and had all their money stolen by a psychopath. He told them that this secret but not so secret society of Freemasons were hunting them down and planning to destroy them. At this point, the Freemasons had been around for a couple of hundred years, and they seemed like an appealing option for Adam. He thought that joining them was going to give him access to all these secrets of the universe. Mm. He thought he was going to get all this esoteric information and more knowledge than he'd be able to handle. And he was expecting all these mind-blowing revelations about deep truths that the Catholic Church was trying to keep hidden from the masses.
1: Were the Freemasons not associated with religion?
0: They Most of the people who were members were religious, mm-hmm. um, but he had this kind of assumption that because, you know, it was said that they had all this secret knowledge and all mm. these links back to the ancient world that they were going to be able to give him knowledge that wouldn't be available readily to just the common man. He was very disappointed <laughs> once he became a Freemason and he found out that they were basically a big old boys club. Yeah. And... It was very expensive to join the Freemasons and he felt he was getting very little value for the money he was paying. A lot of the secrets that they claimed to keep turned out to be available to any member (laughs) of the public who was willing to learn to read and pick up a book. Um, And a lot of their views were disappointingly conservative as well and they were quite closely aligned to the church. So that was a pretty big letdown for poor old Adam. Um, But rather than stay dejected, he was inspired to start up his own secret society that would be way cooler than the Freemasons could ever dream of being. (laughs) He could make it a club that he wanted to be a part of. And as a bonus, he could charge people to join rather than having to pay to be in someone else's club. Now, when he was designing this new club, he took a bit of inspiration from the Freemasons. He created different levels and different ranks for initiates to go through as they got more and more access to secret knowledge. And he also wove in some links to the ancient world to really give the group some gravitas. So he linked it back to Egypt Mm. and Rome and Greece. Did he
1: have, was he just making this up or did he genuinely have a background in
0: anything ancient? the classics. He would have been educated in Mm. it, I'm sure. But no, he didn't have any direct links. And yes, this was all pretty much just made up like he just decided that their symbol was going to be an image of an owl sitting on a book because owls were associated with the Roman goddess Minerva she was the Roman version of the Greek goddess Athena the goddess of wisdom um, because he thought that'd be a cool little secret (laughs) symbol to use and he also came up with a bunch of different passwords and code names and secret handshakes and decided on some secret locations does kind of sound mm. fun, but very, very nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> the focus on this seems like quite a dweeby little hobby to create for himself.
1: Sounds like someone who would buy a packet of cigarettes to practice making <laughs> friends would join a group like this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling this would be up here, Ali, yeah. <clears throat> so he designed this secret society and then... Once he'd finished and he was ready to start inviting some enlightened thinkers to join, the first four people he invited were his four favourite students because he was one of those mm-hmm. teachers who liked to hang out with his pupils and he actually smoked spliffs with them oh. when they hung out. Like, he wasn't a regular teacher. He was mm-hmm. a cool teacher.
1: And I guess if he's only 28, his students probably weren't that much younger than him.
0: Mm. Yeah, there wasn't a big age gap, no. Um all five members took on code names from ancient Roman history and mythology. Adam took the name Spartacus mm. for himself, which tells us a bit about how Adam perceived yeah. himself. <laughs> a
1: bit ambitious. And his
0: purpose and mission. Um, if you don't know, Spartacus was this legendary Roman gladiator who led a big movement to free enslaved people. So that kind of suggests that Adam had some grand notions <laughs> about what he was going <laughs> to achieve. Like I said, all seems a little bit... Dweeby, little bit. What were the other names? The other Uh, code names. I can only remember Ajax, who was one of the warriors in the Trojan War. No. (laughs) Well, spelt the same, yes. (laughs) An allusion to yeah, the big bad warrior man in the Trojan War. So you've got this professor getting high with his students, (laughs) sometimes in the woods, late at night, giving them all code names and then swearing them to secrecy. Like If you're anything like me, you're getting a twinge of secondhand embarrassment (laughs) thinking about this. But that was the beginning of the Illuminati, this big, bad secret society, five dorky guys with code names smoking weed together in the forest.
1: Yeah, I don't think you need to swear them to secrecy. (laughs) i they're not bragging about this. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, they weren't called the Illuminati yet at that time, though. At this stage, they were calling themselves the Perfectibilists mm. in German, auf Deutsch. Das heißt, um And they used that name because they believed that their ideas for change could make the world a more perfect place if they could be implemented. Over the next few years, they had regular secret meetings, which were mostly them just sort of sitting around metaphorically jerking each other off, talking about how much smarter they were (laughs) than everyone else, how much better the world would be once they found a way to influence change in society. What were
1: their ideas?
0: They really wanted to separate church and state Mm -hmm. because they just felt that the clergy had too much control and was trying to, you know, drag society back to the dark ages. Um, They also believed in democracy as opposed to monarchy, Mm, but they were operating in a monarchy Mm -hmm. at this time. So that was quite a controversial notion to be proposing. Um, and so, because what they were talking about was, you know, pretty dangerous ideas mm-hmm. at the time, Adam was obsessed with secrecy <laughs> and he probably had a touch of paranoia given the cannabis he was enjoying. <laughs> um, but yeah, he had a reason to be worried because if the Catholic Church or if the ruling class in Bavaria found out about these guys and the ideas that they were hoping at some point they'd be able to promote, they could potentially be imprisoned Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and that high level of secrecy meant recruitment was pretty slow in the first few years they couldn't just go passing out flyers at the university but as the months went by they did recruit a few more people mostly through infiltrating the freemasons Mm. even though adam didn't want to go back there his students did want to get involved with the Freemasons and he figured, well, look, maybe that's actually going to be a good way for us to find some converts who are disappointed with Freemasonry and they're willing to come and join our younger, Mm -hmm. cooler secret club. (laughs) Um, So they'd formed this sort of secret society within a secret society. It's like the Freemasons were the host and they were the parasites and they ended up with like 30 members roughly by 1778.
1: And compared to how many would have been in the Freemasons?
0: Oh, tens of thousands oh, okay. all across Europe, yeah. By then, they'd also gone through a bit of a rebrand after Adam realised the Perfectibilists wasn't <laughs> an especially sexy name. So he changed their name to Illuminati Norden the Order of the Illuminati or the Enlightened Ones. Mm -hmm. Adam also kind of started embellishing the origin story for the Order It obviously wasn't very inspiring to tell new recruits that, oh, yeah, the law professor founded it because he just thought the Freemasons was a bit too expensive. Um, So he wanted to come up with his own club. So he got all his recruiters to tell new initiates that the Illuminati was this group who could trace their origins back to ancient Egypt, Mm -hmm. ancient Greece, ancient Rome, which made it all sound very exclusive and exciting and important. Then, a couple of years later, 1780, recruitment went into overdrive when the Illuminati recruited this chap called Adolf Knieger. And he was a very impressive war hero. He was in the Freemasons trying his best to influence them to become a bit more progressive. And when they approached him thinking he was someone of like mind to them, he jumped at the chance to join the Illuminati. They were thrilled to accept him. It was a great match. They loved his strategy to recruit the senior bigwigs at the top of the Freemason pyramid mm-hmm. so that then they could just rely on those senior members to then recruit their own downstream, mm. a bit like a multi-level yeah. marketing scheme sort of thing.
1: Did, was the Freemasons catching on to Adam pilfering all their people?
0: No. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. they'd done a very good job of maintaining their secrets so at this stage at least the only people who knew about the Illuminati were in the Illuminati Mm -hmm. Um, so they let Adolf go for it and just bring on as many members as he could, he got some pretty big names as well, like some power players, there wouldn't be anyone that most of us would (laughs) recognise, like Goethe, who's... Oh,
2: Goethe! You do know Goethe, (laughs)
0: okay, there you go Um, so there were Authors like him, composers, Mm -hmm. certain scientists as well. But after a little while, Adolf had to pull Adam aside for a chat because he found he was facing a bit of a challenge when he was trying to recruit some of these newbies. He was telling these senior members of the Freemasons that if they joined the Illuminati, there'd be this fantastic opportunity for them to move up through the highest ranks of the oldest secret order in history and then they'd get access to all this mm-hmm. incredible secret knowledge. And, of course, some of these new recruits had questions for Adolf about the structure of those different tiers mm. and about the history of the Illuminati. And he hadn't been given access to the secret information in at these level highest yet. levels. <laughs> yeah, so he was like, you're going to have to give me a bit more info here to be able to sell the sizzle of this organisation to some of these people. Can you fill me in? And that's when Adam confessed to Adolf for the first time that he'd made the whole thing up, that there was no ancient order, that they'd only been around for four years and he had no idea what the highest levels were going to offer because he hadn't finished sort of writing it and fleshing it all out yet because he'd been a bit busy. Now, most people in Adolf's situation would probably be like, okay, so this is a scam (laughs) and... I fell for it. That's on me, but I'm out.
1: How much were they charging people to enter?
0: Oh, I don't know how much. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, most of the people that they were targeting were fairly wealthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's not cheap to operate in secrecy like this Mm -hmm. when you've got to be hiring venues (laughs) and secretly getting literature printed up. So, yeah, probably relatively expensive. Um, Probably more expensive than the Freemasons, Mm. I would say, because they believed they were offering a lot more value for money. Adolf decided this was an opportunity for him and he decided to take the chance to grab the Illuminati and really make it his own, put his own spin on things. So he committed himself to filling in the blanks that had been left by Adam and designing his version of the secret order, the levels and the rituals and the secret codes that would be revealed in those highest levels. And like, he made it extra cringy. (laughs) Like he took it to a whole nother level of Dungeons and Dragons and Lord of the Rings, like the names of the levels. You'd go from being a knight to being a mage to being a king at the upper levels and, you know, all these magical sort of stories he wove through the history of the Illuminati. Then Adolf got to work pitching this new improved Dorkier-than-ever version of the Illuminati to Freemasons around Europe. He smashed his recruitment KPIs over the next few years. By 1784, they had about 2,500 wow. members across Europe. Of course, exclusively white Christian males mm-hmm. between the ages of 18 to 30 because they believed that once you were 30, you were too stuck in your ways mm. to be a progressive thinker. Um And yeah, like I said, they were getting sort of bigger and bigger names and they were even starting to infiltrate the aristocracy itself and starting to win members of that upper class over to their way of thinking about democracy and the separation of church and state. By this point, when they'd reached their peak of membership, their philosophy had really changed from the early days. They used to believe in subtlety to Mm -hmm. influence positive change in the world now they were talking about world domination by whatever means necessary, right. they were openly declaring that they knew what people needed better than people knew for themselves mm-hmm. and that even if it meant committing crimes mm-hmm. as long as was in the interest of the greater good which it's was them it. taking over the world Yeah, it was permissible the little problem that they had though was a lot of members of the secret society were not so secretive about their membership. Mm. They had a tendency to get a little bit braggadocious, particularly after a few drinks in a public bar, and they'd start telling anyone who'd listen about how much power and influence the organisation had accumulated and what their brotherhood was going to achieve all around the world. And so then, of course, rumours started swirling within the Freemasons, outside of the Freemasons, and the churches and crowns of Europe weren't happy. So in 1785, they've only been around for nine years mm-hmm. at this point, the Duke or whatever of Bavaria declared that all secret societies from then on were illegal, mm. especially the Illuminati. They got a particular shout out. Within a very short amount of time, one of the Illuminati members in Bavaria was allegedly... Struck by lightning Mm. and Illuminati documents were found on his corpse that listed identities of a bunch of the group's members. And they were able to then use that information to start tracking down all 2,500 members Mm. of the Illuminati, arresting them and confiscating all of their documents, which they then published. Anyone in the world, as long as they could read, could peruse the Illuminati literature and either laugh and Mm -hmm. cringe at it or be incredibly frightened by it, which is definitely one of the effects we saw. But the Illuminati, they disbanded, they scattered. A lot of them were humiliated, Mm -hmm. understandably, including Adam Weishaupt. He went into exile in France where he stayed for the rest of his life. And the Illuminati party was over, or so it seemed. Mm -hmm. Mm. Until more than a decade after they'd disbanded, two different authors each independently released a book that claimed the Illuminati hadn't really dissolved. They'd just gone into hiding Mm -hmm. and they were still operating in secrecy. The books claimed the Illuminati still had connections at the highest levels, government, industry, churches around the world, and they were still pulling the strings, manipulating all the world events in secret. Both of these books claimed that the Illuminati had planned and orchestrated the French Revolution, as well as a few other major events that had, like, basically turned the Western world on its head. Yeah, over right. The it's impressive decade. for a group
1: of two thousand losers.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> called themselves majors. <laughs> the claims the books made were fairly shocking. So of course, they spread around the world in a kind of low-tech version of what we saw with the rise of QAnon theories Mm -hmm. on internet forums and Facebook a few years back. People started printing their own books and leaflets where they'd paraphrase the original two books that came out. But then of course, they'd add their own twists, their own details, layer in their own claims and theories about this shadowy secret society. And so Fear of the Illuminati was ignited, and it spread, and it continued to grow all across Europe and also over in the USA.
1: And what were people scared of? Like this group coming in and disrupting things, causing havoc. What yes. was what was the fear?
0: Challenging the status quo for right. sure, um, and. Basically, because they were believed at this point to be agents of Satan. And this is at a time in history when people believed that the world was controlled by God and Mm -hmm. his followers and Satan and his followers. Mm. And this was a network of people who were said to have connections at the highest levels who were operating under the orders of Satan. Right. One of the things they were accused of in the next 150 years was the rise of communism.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, because obviously that was seen as a great threat to many democratic countries Mm -hmm. in the Western world. Capitalist societies really hated that notion. Um, So, yeah, that was one of the big things that was pinned on the Illuminati. The Great Depression was blamed on them. They essentially became this all-purpose boogeyman. Yeah. Yeah, anything that was happening that was confusing, scary, you could blame it all on the Illuminati. There was this big fear that if they weren't stopped, Eventually, they'd succeed in implementing the New World Order, which is what they'd been working towards, which essentially meant the elite enslaving all the common folk around the world, which is very, very similar to how all the trumpets justified Donald Trump's actions Mm. by saying, you know, he was working to take down the deep state before the deep state could implement their version of a Mm -hmm. New World Order. Then we'll flash forward to the 1960s. And mm-hmm. This is when the Illuminati sort of made the crossover into popular culture. And this is when public awareness really exploded around the world. How? Thanks to Playboy magazine. Ah. Yeah. So there was this couple of cheeky, countercultural hippie writers in America called Robert and Carrie. And they decided they wanted to shake things up a bit. They felt like. Too many members of the older generations were hanging on to these rigid, outdated belief system, and it really bugged them that so many people were just willing to believe and accept anything and everything they read in a newspaper or saw on TV. They wanted to get people thinking critically again. And they figured the best way to go about that would be to stir up a bit of chaos by spreading misinformation about the big bad conspiracy theory, the Illuminati, Mm -hmm. in a series of fake letters that they'd make sure got published in Playboy.
1: And prior to the 60s, had the Illuminati just kind of, were they pretty much dead and buried at this point or did people still talk about
0: them? People were still talking about them, but it was very, very fringe. Mm -hmm. I mean, with today, conspiracy theories, like you've been able to avoid Mm -hmm. this until now because it is something that's sort of on the outskirts, not a lot of people have an interest in this sort of information. Um, So yeah, it wasn't something that was sort of widespread. Certainly the minority of people knew about it, but then you've got this huge amount of people that read Playboy Mm -hmm. who then start getting for the first time exposure to an interest in the Illuminati and what they're working towards. So Robert, one of these two hippies, he worked for Playboy, he could make sure that these letters definitely got published, regardless of how outlandish they were. And he and his buddy together forged this series of anonymous notes to the editor claiming to be ex-members or current members of the Illuminati and sharing all these vivid details about their experiences in the club, like the satanic rituals and demonic beliefs Mm. and all the gory details about things they'd get up to and sex practices and the public who were reading this were just lapping it all up and then the next month they'd send in more letters with details that directly contradicted what was in the previous month's letters and then they'd repeat And repeat again and again. The goal was force people to the conclusion you can't believe everything you read because if you believe what you read one month, the next month you then would be asked to believe something that totally undermined what you'd already decided to be true. But that backfired. A whole slew of very gullible readers believed all the claims in the letters were legit. Um, It's a phenomenon we saw just recently with QAnon that people can somehow believe that two very disparate things can be true at the same time. And once people got curious about the Illuminati, if they did a little bit of digging, they could find that there was this record of this secret society actually existing, And they could access those centuries-old claims that the Order had just retreated to the shadows so Mm -hmm. they could continue on with their plotting. And once they'd decided that all of this was true, they became believers. And this surprised the two Playboy guys, but they were absolutely delighted (laughs) and they kept the game going for as long as they could and went on to write the Illuminatus Trilogy.
2: Wow. Which is
0: a fairly famous collection of three books, obviously. I have not listened to them, but I think I'm going to. The thing that turned me off, it's in total 34 hours of audiobook listening. So big commitment, but apparently they're very, very entertaining. They're science fiction and it's a parody of the conspiracy theory that the Illuminati runs the planet. It is satire about them working towards this new world order, but it didn't land as satire for a lot of people who'd already decided the Illuminati were real and they started citing the texts as factual documentation that the Illuminati does exist and that there were their goals and their achievements and... Dark plans and aspirations laid out in black and white. It kind of became like a bit of a Bible mm-hmm. for people who truly believed the Illuminati had to be stopped. And then the wild theories about the group just kept growing and evolving over the next few decades. Um, it became this really sort of convenient way as well for a lot of people to explain events that happened in the world that seemed random or just Mm. didn't make sense. Like when something was very complex and confounding, like John F. Kennedy being assassinated or the 9-11 terrorist attacks happening, they couldn't be explained in a way that was really simple and easy to digest in the real world. So instead they would just blame it on the Illuminati Mm -hmm. and it's got something to do with their plans to control human race. Yeah. So from the 70s onwards, the Illuminati kind of became the stars of the most famous conspiracy theory in the world.
1: Was there anyone kind of leading it at this point? Like there were the two Playboy dudes Mm -hmm. who kind of started it again. But then was there a kind of leader that stood for
0: not until the 90s. Okay. Over the next couple of decades, a bunch of books were written, films were made, and of course that just created different factions Mm. of believers who had slightly different takes, different flavours on their interpretation of the Illuminati and some of them overlapped with other conspiracy theories, some overlapped with each other. So it's kind of like this is the point in the story where you've been going along a river and then you get to the delta mm. and it starts to go out in all sorts of different directions. But one of the major paths that it took in the 90s was with a guy called David Icke. Have you ever heard of him? I don't think so. So He deserves his own episode okay. at some <laughs> point. Um, he was a football player, like soccer player mm-hmm. in the UK, who then became a TV presenter and then... Out of nowhere in the 90s, he announced that he'd discovered he was the son of God.
1: Yeah, right. And he was a
0: prophet (laughs) and he was warning the world that the planet was about to be destroyed. The apocalypse was coming. Mm -hmm. Surprise, it didn't. Um, But he had just, with a bang, positioned himself as a major conspiracy theorist with some very delusional thoughts. He's the originator of a theory theory to do with the Illuminati that you may have heard of, he believes that the world is run by a group of interdimensional reptilian humanoids, shapeshifters who can take on human appearance, but Mm -hmm. in reality are 12 foot tall and they drink human blood Mm. and Queen Elizabeth is one of them. And he believes that they are controlling the Illuminati and therefore Mm. controlling the world. So... Yeah. Do
1: these people, like, does David honestly think this? Like, I think this every time you guys do an episode mm. like this. And I'm like, do these people, you, you guys talk about it, you and Rosie talk about it a lot, where it's like at some point people who tell all of these lie- lies just become conned by the lies that them they're telling mm. themselves. Mm. But honestly, it was David going to bed every night and honestly thinking that there are lizard people out there.
0: Mm. I tend to believe that he genuinely convinced himself
1: Mm.
0: that, yes, these lizard people exist, and that gave him the answers he was seeking to sort of help him understand the world, the universe, Mm. a bit better. And, you know, obviously that's some pretty deluded thinking. Considering how much money he has then gone on to make by touring to do live appearances, yeah. selling books through his you know YouTube channels and stuff like that more recently. He's earned a decent amount of money mm. out of this and it's a career that he needs to keep going. Like It would be pretty much impossible for him to pivot into anything else from here on out. So, he's kind of got to keep it going. So, yeah, I... I think I'm a bit cynical about him still being a true believer mm-hmm. and I think he's had to make his claim more and more outlandish yeah. to continue to get more and more attention. And he's not the only one. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who've done the same thing over the course of the last few decades in particular. Alex Jones is another good mm-hmm. one. He used to talk, I don't know if he still does, but he used to talk a lot about the Illuminati Um And spoke about them in the same way as the QAnon people spoke about the deep state. Now let's go ahead and jump to 2010, the year when I decided I (laughs) wanted to join the (laughs) Illuminati. So Rosie and I have a friend, Antonio. Tony, a lot of you would remember him from Rosie's books. Mm -hmm. And yes, sadly, he did die a few years ago. He was the first person I ever heard mention the Illuminati in relation to celebrities. So, I remember him telling me one night that Beyonce, Jay-Z, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes, who were still together Mm -hmm. at the time, that they were in this secret society that ran the world and that's how they were so rich and successful. And I was like, oh, you mean Scientology, right? And he was like, no, 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 much, much older, (laughs) much more secretive than that. They're in the Illuminati. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I remember that word from a Dan Brown Mm -hmm. book. Um, Tell me more and also explain if this is a secret, how do you know about it? And then he walked me through the basics and he explained how all these celebrities signaled their Illuminati status with these different nods and winks and gestures. Like, for example... Jay-Z and Beyonce famously in their concerts in particular, they'll hold up this triangle symbol Mm -hmm. using both of their hands. We'll post a photo of it (laughs) on our Instagram if you're struggling to picture what I mean. The okay hand symbol that Mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier is something Beyonce is known for doing. Um, Another one of the gestures that's meant to indicate that you're part of the Illuminati is covering up one eye
1: right okay
0: um which is something lady gaga mm-hmm. was doing frequently or she yep. was looking through a circle she made with her fingers or framing her i feel eye. like
1: all of these like gestures and winks and nods is just like early 2000s like myspace mm-hmm. culture like everyone with a digital camera and an emo fringe was doing all of these poses
0: very much so, mm. yes, because this was the era when selfies became a thing. For the mm-hmm. first time ever, you could see yourself in the photo before it was actually taken. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, people started doing a bunch more of these kinds of poses. But, you know, the one eye was mm-hmm. meant to represent the all-seeing eye, which of is course. a Freemason <laughs> st- uh, symbol which links back to ancient Egypt. Mm-hmm not necessarily aligned with the Illuminati, but ascribed to the Illuminati. Katy Perry was accused of being Mm -hmm. in the Illuminati because she had that ancient Egyptian theme in her music video for Dark Horse. (laughs) When Rihanna launched with Umbrella and kicked off her career in that music video, she's inside a triangle and triangles Uh, were meant to be an Illuminati symbol as well. Plus she was connected to Jay-Z Anyway, he's walking me through all of that. And I was like, okay, well, look, if it's real, if this is evidence of this secret society, sign me up how do I get a seat at this table? Because I want to get involved. And that's when he was like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. It's really terrible. You have to sacrifice babies if you want to join the Illuminati. <laughs> and I was like, okay, right. I mean, I don't yeah. like
1: babies, but <laughs> <laughs> not about to sacrifice one.
0: <laughs> I do think of them as disposable. But yeah. <laughs> someone else can take care of that. Like clearly this whole theory was just cooked up by people who couldn't accept that some people on this planet are just incredibly talented and hardworking and they're lucky enough to accumulate billions of dollars over the course of their career. They don't want to believe that. They instead choose to believe this alternative version of reality where the only reason that someone like Beyonce could get Mm. so much success and money is because they've sold their soul to the devil and they do these terrible things to align themselves to this shadowy cabal. Um, which I have to say a lot of these theories, it's been pointed out by other people, there's quite a racist undertone Mm -hmm. as well to believe that people like Beyonce, Rihanna, Mm Jay-Z, they could only become so wealthy and so famous if they had the help of some other sort of network that was backing them, Mm -hmm. um, which I find kind of offensive to be honest. I do think it's very funny though that a lot of these celebrities that have been accused of being in the Illuminati keep playing around and Mm. keeping the rumours going. Like they keep doing the hand symbols and saying the key words. Like Lady Gaga keeps talking about how she loves shape-shifting because she's been (laughs) accused of being one of the (laughs) 12-foot lizard people. Like they just love continuing to bait these whack jobs. Um, And so that's where we are today with the Illuminati. Most people associate it with these celebrities Think of it as maybe this network that's underground mm-hmm. that's, you know, controlling the entertainment industry. Um, But, yeah, it all kicked off with those five. Adam. Dorky guys led by mm. Professor Adam. And his the forest. spray
1: and white colleagues. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that is just the gist of how we got here in 2022. Wow. With. The Illuminati being blamed by a lot of people for a lot of really, really bad things.
1: Are there, that was fantastic. Thank you. Are there, is there still kind of like a centralized group? Are there like communities? Are there meetups? Are there,
0: they're not real. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> when these claims started coming out 10 years after the group disbanded and they claimed that they were still operating. That was just totally fictitious. Mm. It was just a way of people coming to terms with what was going on in the Western world at that time after the French Revolution happened and the French Mm -hmm. monarchy was one of the oldest royal families in all of Europe and it seemed like it was impossible that that would ever be toppled. Um, Yeah, so no, those claims, totally fictitious. There are a bunch of groups that have come forward and said that they're part of the Illuminati They're unable to prove that. Mm -hmm. One of the groups that a lot of conspiracy theorists point to and say that there are Illuminati links there is a group called the Bilderberg Group. Have you ever heard of them? So I think since the 50s, maybe the 40s, they've been getting together either once every year or once every couple of years. You can tell I've really researched this <laughs> group well, but I have read a little bit about them. So they bring together political leaders from Europe and the United States, billionaires, um, key thinkers, and they publish whenever they meet, they publish what their agenda mm-hmm. is going to be, but it's always very vague. Like one of the talking points will be China, yeah. for example, um, and another point will be cybersecurity. So, we don't know what they discuss at these meetings. We They don't publish any minutes mm-hmm. and we don't know what actions then come out of there. And so, a lot of conspiracy theorists believe, well, this is the modern day Illuminati getting together and making decisions that are going to affect all of us because public policy mm-hmm. and industrial policies, they're all going to be aligned at this meeting of the Bilderberg members.
1: Whatever happened to Adolf? Like you said that um, the first bloke just kind of went to France. He went into
0: exile, yes.
1: You know what happened to Adolf?
0: So he'd already left the group before it disbanded. Mm -hmm. He had a big dispute with Adam Weishaupt and decided that he was done. So he left the year before um, secret societies were made illegal. So he kind of got off Mm scot-free Um, even though there were records in all the documentation about his involvement. He didn't face any sort of punishment and he did his best to sort of distance himself from the disgrace that was (laughs) the Illuminati.
1: Mm. And the two blokes from Playboy, after they published their trilogy, did they just go back to living normal
0: well, because Journalist it was actually only one of the Playboy guys. Sorry, okay. I might have confused that a little bit. One of the Playboy guys went on to write the Illuminatus trilogy mm-hmm. with a different co-writer. Um, and that became such a big deal that they turned it into a stage play.
2: All and right. that stage
0: play was such a big deal that it launched the careers of Bill Nye and wow. Jim Broadbent, two oh. fairly major British actors. So that was a huge success. He continued to write more and more novels. Um, And some non-fiction work as well One of the other things that he's famous for And this would have been around that same time Because he'd been in the army Or Mm -hmm. in the marines more specifically Um, He wrote a book about his experiences Mm -hmm. One of the guys that he was in a platoon or whatever with Was Lee Harvey Oswald The guy who was accused of assassinating John F. Kennedy Jr. Right so he'd written this novel about him and a fictionalised version of Lee Harvey Oswald that came out before JFK mm-hmm. was even assassinated. So then he kind of became a bit of an authority who was closely linked to Lee Harvey Oswald having known him. Um, and that's all I know off the top of my head right. about his background. Um, and as for the other guy, I
1: don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just surprised. I didn't realise that Playboy had letters to the editor.
0: Oh, yeah. Playboy's all about the articles. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't you heard? (laughs) Um, But, yeah, they they were a very popular publication at that time and people did actually, you know, read some of the words as well as unfolding (laughs) the nude centrefolds. Yeah. And I guess we'll wrap it up. From there. All right. And we've got to get back in the habit of doing housekeeping. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can follow us on at Just The Gist Podcast on Instagram. I'm at Jacob William Stanley. Rosie's at Rosie Waterland. Lindsay, would you like folks to start following you?
1: I don't need that.
0: No? Okay. (laughs) Um, You can send us DMs with any suggestions you've got for upcoming episodes or you can tell me why you believe the Illuminati are Mm. realer than real and... They're controlling the world. Um, You can also email us at justthegistpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week with another fantastic guest and Mm. another different topic. Can we reveal that?
1: Mm, No, I don't think
0: so. We'll keep it a mystery.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But if any listeners have any requests for any guest hosts that they would like to hear on the podcast, either anyone who's been on before who you want to hear from again or anyone new, Um, Get in touch.
0: Absolutely. And yes, Abby, I know you're listening to this (laughs) and we are trying to get you back on again. You're just ridiculously busy. But yes, we're, we're working on it, honey. All right. See you all. Bye. Bye. Listener.